What if what if every time we do a really good zinger, we just play that play that clip? <laughs> like bum 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 bum. Um I think it's super fun and you are having a rough one. And there's nothing to get you in a better headspace for this podcast than well, that fun little theme. It's true. It is a good theme. It's a fun little stinger. I, I like it. Um uh, I just forgot all about it. We haven't we didn't do one of these last week. Um no. we by all accounts, really, we shouldn't be doing one of these this week. I'm not I'm not feeling well. Um but powering through it because I can't I can't give I can't give the newsies two weeks off in the middle of the summer. They've been clamoring for it. Alex, what's wrong? Are you are you feeling shaky in some way? Are you feeling um, yep, yes, yes. Like you've got yeah. some sort of some tremors? Uh, I yeah. Ish. Okay, well here's the thing. Uh-huh. You should be really proud of me. Yeah, I I, I am proud of you. That's like two reviews in a row that you've you've had to watch it through the the, the thing. This one was less scary than Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Um, because it was just it's Jaws on land, but <laughs> I yeah. dirt sharks, um, the, uh, giant dirt sharks. They basically, I mean, they're just big old snakes, essentially. Um, but like ugly ones with big old heads. Uh, this is also off the bat. One might be one of our first disagreements. And I'm wondering if, because I felt like I was so brave, maybe my expectations were too high. Mm, perhaps. <laughs> maybe I was like, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to watch perhaps. the whole thing. Um, and maybe I was just expecting more because I was expecting to be more scared. Right. But, I, I don't know. It kind of felt like the same scene copied and pasted <laughs> for like an hour of this movie. But mm. we'll get into it. We're gonna get okay. into it. We'll Send your super chats, y'all, if you want to hang yeah. out with us and yeah, say things. We are reviewing uh, Tremors from 1990. Uh, being as that I've been uh, under the weather a, a while, I just realized I didn't do my my customary. It it was released on this date, uh, which which came two weeks after this movie, and that's the reason why the box office was X or whatever. I didn't do that for this movie. I should have. Um, uh, I will say that um, my own personal history with this movie um, was that it was on television, like NBC or CBS or ABC, because that was all the channels we had at the time. We didn't even get Fox. Like that, I was way out in the in in the boonies, um, and so the and we we taped it on a VHS, and I must have been eleven or twelve, and so the only version of this movie that I had seen, uh, for maybe the first fifteen or twenty times I watched the movie, um, was. Because I watched it obsessively. Because twelve or thirteen year old me thought this was a number one filmmaking. Um, was was the the edited version where all the swears were redubbed? So <laughs> every so I can quote this almost this entire movie, but only the the TV dubbed one. That's like, amazing. Um, because uh, like, I'm guessing the dubs aren't great too. Like no, there uh, some of them actually make more sense, and some of them are like, um. Close enough uh, to the original word or whatever. Right. That's true as well. But um, 
there was one where they where where he calls the the one of the giant worms a mother humper. Said they say big monster, which is technically that is the true thing. You know that is what that is. That is true. But but my favorite one uh, all all time is, and I actually will quote this to myself, just walking around when like it pops in my head, and I'll say it out loud. Nobody else in the room. I'll say, "Broke into the wrong Galdern rec room, didn't you, you big jerk?" (laughs) And um, that is not what he says in the movie, but but it is on the on the on the tubbed one, and so that's that's what I did. this is uh um if this is the if this is if this is true beep boop that would that would that would make it even more uh brilliant to me the same people who who made short circuit made this i have to look that up ah that's hilarious um uh so this came at a really interesting point in uh at least in my development as a movie fan was that wonderful point where you go from watching kids' movies to watching things that are a little bit... Your, your parents say, yeah, fine, you can watch that. Like, oh, awesome. Because six months ago, I know you wouldn't have let me watch this. Um, it's that kind, of a, it was that kind of point for me. But also, maybe it's because I was at that point during this time period. But even looking back now, it feels like that turn of the decade from the 80s to the 90s produced some of the very best just bonkers B movies um, that turned out to be A movies uh, because of the casting or a slick little script or whatever, but weren't supposed to be anything, but ended up having that kind of longevity for fans of the film. A Um, lot of B movies that turned into A movies or B movies that turned into C movies, which is what we normally review here. Right. Right. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Um, I uh, I also at this point and having watched it, I I was otherwise wholly unfamiliar with Kevin Bacon, having never seen Footloose at the time. I watched this movie for the first time, uh, so this is this was my introdu- introduction to Kevin Bacon, and also why anytime somebody wants to play Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon with me, it always ends up at Tremors, because because Tremors is in there somewhere because I know all these people, but um, uh, I um. It is uh, a brilliant concept um, for a new monster movie, something no one had ever come up with before. Like, they're under the ground, and they can sense you based on the movement above the ground. Like, that was a thing, like, this was decades before, what was it called, The Quiet Place or whatever, where, like, you couldn't make a sound or what. This was decades before that. This was an entirely new idea that was based probably in some kind of inaccurate pseudoscience, but like the idea of seismology and like that these, these creatures can detect vibrations um, is a, like that makes sense in a kind of like, if I don't have to look it up, it makes sense in a kind of weird, like pseudoscience way. So like, it feels like it might be plausible scientifically as opposed to like, Hey, this guy uh, got bitten by a, a bat. And now he can't die. Like that doesn't feel as doesn't feel as 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 real as uh, some of these guys don't feel as real. But this kind of was like, okay, that's impossible. But if it was possible, it would be plausible. That's how this feels to me. So there are some things that I I and I I don't I didn't hate this movie, mm-hmm. but for how 
good. I it's it is like pretty well well respected and revered. Um, there were things in it that I felt like were kind of obvious holes. Um, but the I thought the monsters themselves were really good. I thought the underground piece of it was cool from the story standpoint and from the execution standpoint of like the the way that they would actually like barrel through I thought was really mm -hmm. cool um my main complaints were more along the lines of just like nothing really doesn't feel like there's a ton of development like the, my, my two biggest complaints with it were um you could just kill them with a gun <laughs> and like very just, specific guns with lots and lots of bullets. With tons of bullets. Yeah. But it, they also don't really try anything else and have those things fail, which is weird. Right. Like, right. when those guns aren't available, no one's like, well, maybe there's a knife around. Like, there's not an attempt at that, which was kind of mm, kind of weak yeah. to me. Um, mm -hmm, I suppose. And the, the only other thing that we know about them other than... Um, that detecting what's going on above ground thing, like is is the sound piece of it right so it's like i i feel like for the amount of like scares and kills that you get there's not like a lot that we get out of those it wasn't like oh they're they're not targeting anyone specific which is good because it makes you think that anybody can be threatened at any point um but like i i just didn't feel like there was there was a ton of payoff Kind of until the the end picks up a little bit with like the the tension between the two groups and stuff and um, but it, it just didn't feel like there was a lot of meat on the bone for how frequent the and similar all all the kind of like kills kills and mm -hmm. scares were in it um, but there's certainly way worse things that we've reviewed on this channel uh, <laughs> and and there's a lot of really good stuff in here I think this is a movie that I, I've just heard like talked about that kind of scared me out of talking out of watching it because people are like, Oh, it's like a good scare one. And I was like, well, I sat through it. So it can't be that scary, but it's more right. suspenseful. I think Kevin Bacon is great. I think the whole cast is, is pretty good. Um, Reba McIntyre is like a, she's a pretty good actress. Um, considering it's not like her, considering nope. she's a country musician, like she does all right yep. with this. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, those those were my two bigger things. I felt like for how menacing the character was, and we get like the obviously when we find out how big some of these tremors uh -huh. are. Yeah. Um there there's bigger attempts, but I was like I, I would have just thought they'd reach for another weapon if a gun is something as common to reach for as a gun um was right. available. And also I was rooting for Melvin to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's that's there there it is. I mean that's that's certainly part of it. I can tell you he does show up in the sequels, so he does oh. not uh, he does not die. Is his whole um, career this? As far as I know. <laughs> so Good for him, man. Do six uh -huh. movies. Yeah, no, he he only he doesn't show up in all the sequels, but oh, yeah, and, enough of them. Um, this uh, so anyway, um. It's it starts we, we meet Val and Earl. Uh and um I I think it's a it is it, it here's the thing about about the, the script, uh something I love about this movie because I, I, I do even watching it now again, um I love this movie. 
I will not apologize for loving this movie. The the character development between Val and Earl, like the not development, but the relationship between them. As these two guys, I have no idea how they found each other because Earl's a good 15 years older than Val. I don't know like how they became best friends who started a, a handyman business together. It's at one point at the beginning of the movie, they have three dollars to their name and a beat up old truck and a trailer that they room that their roommates together in the ass end of the world town in, in the desert of Nevada. But I like their playful uh, ribbing of each other. Uh, it it it's they they imme- we immediately get a short end of who they are. Anytime they have a disagreement, they play paper rock scissors, um, uh, um, and uh, they're just this. One of them always has the cigarettes, and the other one always has the lighter. Is a really cool little shorthand thing they would do in movies of like okay. We immediately get that these guys have an incredibly long history that we're not going to get to see. And, and be told about because it's not that kind of movie. But these little moments show us their relationship in ways that we that a monologue about how they met uh, wouldn't even give us that kind of quick uh, and easy way into their relationship. Um, but they're they are building a fence um, way out in the middle of nowhere, and um, they uh, once they finish that job. Um, they're going to drive back into town. They have other things to do, other, other things on, on the docket. They have to, um, uh, they're supposed to put linoleum down in one of the people's houses, but that's not until Wednesday. Today, they got to, they got to like bury a bunch of garbage. That's the thing they got to do for 50 bucks, which as they say is 47 bucks more than we got. That's so right. like, that's, this is, this is, they don't want to do it, but this is it. So then we, we, um, we, they're driving back into town, into town. It's perfection, Nevada, established 1902, elevation 2,135 feet, population 14. You can see that's all written on the water cooler, um, on the water cooler, water tower in town. Um, it'd be weird if it was written on the water cooler. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, but, just like and, a town water cooler. I guess there's yeah. only 14 people there. There kind of could be. You could but. honestly just, yeah, just the Culligan man comes once a week and everybody gets their water. Um, I also, though, was like, maybe your handyman business isn't great because you're only servicing 12 other people. I also agree with that. I wonder how often they might venture into Bixby. Bixby is this fictional town in Nevada, 38 miles from perfection that apparently has all the other things you would need to survive. Um, But it's 38 miles. There's one road in and out of the valley. That's it. This tiny little town um, with these people who live there. Um, But uh, they're driving back and they, uh, they see somebody off in the distance. And the, the, the little, again, shorthand conversation of um, that's not what's his name, the grad student. Nah, he graduated. That's probably the, his replacement. The new one, that's supposed to be a girl. And Val is uh, uh, girl crazy, um, Kevin Bacon. And uh, he drives out to see her. And he's got a list of things that his dream girl's got to have. Uh, long blonde hair, big blue eyes, world-class breasts. Ass that won't quit and legs that go all the way up. You'll notice that none of those things involve anything other than any other than looks. Correct. But that's 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 purely aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and uh, but when they pull up, 
to this uh, to this girl grad student. She is uh, none of those things. Correct. Um, yeah, <laughs> which she is, is and she's also she's also got zinc on her nose. Uh, so she def- definitely doesn't look like that. So he's disappointed. But I love how um, Earl, played by the, the indomitable Fred Ward, who's an amazing character actor. Um, uh, I love Naked that he... Uh, is like the, his biggest ticket, right? Yeah. I mean, he, was, he did a lot of stuff in, in the 80s. They actually started... They wanted to do his own um, action movie franchise with Remo Williams in 1983, but that did not take off. But he's just, he's this, this gruff dude somewhere between 40 and 50 perpetually for his entire career. And, <laughs> and he's, he's really, really good at it. He's a very, very good um, uh, second or third lead in an action movie type of guy. But I love how he um, flirts with, with the new grad student on behalf of Valentine. Like he, well, if he's not going to flirt with you, I will. I have no actual interest in you. But but I'm, I want him to see that you're 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 a, a you know a girl who can you know mix it up a little bit anyway. So she's there studying seismology for the university. Uh, at one point, they they show her putting a seismograph thing in the ground that, to measure it, and it says property of MSU. And this is my one and only real quibble with the what what university is that? Because I know MSU as Michigan State University. Is it Mississippi State? Wouldn't it be NSU if they were? Would would they fly somebody out from a different state to do seismic readings in Nevada? Wouldn't they do seismic readings in their own state? So I was thinking it was supposed to be like that. She's from the University of Nevada or uh, Nevada Reno, uh, UNLV, but it just property of MSU. And I was like, did somebody say, "Hey, uh, for the prop, we need to say property of NSU." And the guy on the other end of the phone was like heard N as M. And then when they got the prop, they were way out in the middle of nowhere and they didn't have paint. So they said, screw it. Nobody's going to notice this until one guy does 33 years from now. And that guy's me. Probably, right? (laughs) That's Um, probably what happened. They were like, we're going to do this to trick Alex in three decades from now. Yeah. Um, But uh, anyway, so... um, She's uh, measuring the vibrations of the ground, blah, blah, blah. And she says, do anybody, do you know, guys, if you know, is anybody doing any mining or blasting or anything around here? Like, no, nothing like that. Okay. Because I'm getting some weird readings. Anyway, I'll see you guys later. And so um, they're going to drive back into town. And um, uh, I like the the older brother relationship that Earl has with Valak. What are you doing? She's a, she's a sweet girl. Why does everybody have to have this little checklist Otherwise, you won't be interested in them. And it's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. Uh, but they get back into town. We meet all the rest of the of, of the people there. Um, we meet Walter Chang, an old man, uh, Chinese uh, immigrant who runs the one shop in town, which has everything Immediately there knew this need. guy was going to die. Immediately. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, you could have said the, that about most of the, the, most of the cast. Dies, yeah. and And one of the guys who you obviously could have said that about did not die, which I actually really like. That is true. Um, uh, so, uh, but anyway, um, he's the, the, the crazy magic old man from Big Trouble Little China. Uh, same, same actor. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's got that. He's a very, very, um, a distinct face. Yes. Super yeah. like, I know that guy. I've, yeah. I've seen that guy in lots of things. Um, 
but he's 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 a, he's a hustler and he's trying to make make the best buck he can in his little his little town um and uh then uh we meet uh, Melvin uh Melvin is a 15 year old say uh obnoxious. kid uh he's obnoxious uh he's a he's a little he's a little he's a little shit stain a, a little turd people call him all variants of these things it Melvin, reminded me very much of in a league of their own Stillwell when yeah. Tom Hanks finally throws sure. the glove at him. That was what sure. I wanted the kill of Melvin to be. Right. I, it mm. would have been like satisfying. Of I, I I get that. I get that point. Um <laughs> me, uh so Melvin is just playing with a basketball around, which feels really sad because there's no hoops in town. And um, it doesn't feel like there's but not, not a lot to bounce on. Like most, most of the ground is like soft and sandy and really wouldn't bounce very well. But um, he's, uh, he's, a, he's a little bit of a jerk. Melvin is the, um, is the, it, the, the, the question that I have the most about the shooting script. They did not do a really good job of, of telling us what's Melvin. What is, what is this child? What are uh, you, Melvin? Uh, because apparently, this is something I did I did find out last night, real quick. Um, in the original script, it is stated that his parents will just randomly drive to Vegas for like a week and leave him alone, and that is what has happened. And because he's and he's bored, and he's just like he's just sullen he's because just his 15. parents. Yeah, his like, well, yeah, he's, he's he's fifteen, and his parents leave him for a week in this horrible little town, so they can go to Vegas to gamble. Like he's pissed. He just he hates he hates his life and he hates the world. And as soon as he can, he's he's getting the hell out of here. So like all of those things would help to um to like explain why he's a little turd to everybody. Um, and apparently that's in the original script, but it was never actually in the movie. Uh, but I, up until reading that, thought there was another thing that was not in the finished script, but I was like inferring it in my head, and I will bring that up uh, in, a, in, a, in a later. We also meet... I always just, watching this, was like 15-year-olds are little turds. I didn't really need the justification, so maybe that's what they thought, right. was like, we don't have to go too far on this. 15-year-olds uh, are, perhaps, are, are little perhaps. turds, as is. Perhaps. <laughs> um, we also meet Bert Gummer. And his wife Heather, played by Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre. Very young Reba. Very, well, you're very young Reba. Nineteen ninety, she was young. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, also, comparatively to some of the movies I've been watching, a very young Michael Gross because he's he. Uh, listen, we're gonna do a bonus episode. We're gonna record it this weekend. We're gonna put it out beginning of next week, where I review. All of the Tremors cinematic universe because and they made... I do not right. do that. No, no, you do not watch any of those things. Nor would I know what I ask you to do that. Uh, only me. Um, it is they have made six sequels, including one prequel and a whole ass television series. Yeah. All of them starring Michael Gross. Every single one of them starring Michael Gross. That's really interesting. When did the TV series come out? 2003. 2003, okay. Sci-Fi Network. Because this is something that, like, 
when I was watching this, I was like, wow, if they wanted to do this with modern special effects, because mm-hmm. because the strengths of the movie are suspense and not uh-huh. 80s gore for the most part. Though, like, a decent-looking monster and everything. But, like, sure. to me, I think the where it succeeds is way more in the way that, like, the tension is about. I was like, oh, this could be a really fun remake if they wanted to with, like, right. with modern effects but it's interesting that the tv series was oh three okay yeah oh three one one season 13 episodes um so um we meet burt gummer and again michael gross at this point was only famous for seven seasons of um uh for seven seasons of family ties the dad in family ties who was a former hippie uh, peace and love, uh, very uh, liberal, um, you know, kind of dad, very, very great, like 80s dad, you know, sure. kind of a thing. Burt Gummer is a complete 180 from that. And I just love the idea that someone, that Michael Gross was like, I'd like to stretch, like, because the because the, the show ends and then he films, it's, the show has his last episode and he films this immediately afterwards. Okay. Um, so, like, he was wanting to get away from being typecast, and now I, b- yeah. I believe that if you um, if you asked a whole generation of people, Michael Gross, and you showed him a picture of him with the beard from Manly Type, he'd be like, I don't know who that is, but show that same person the the, the aviators, the mustache, the ridiculous Atlantic Hawks baseball cap. You go, oh no, I know that guy. Because like he had two completely distinct like chapters in his in his uh, in his career, and I I I bet you if you asked him, he, he would say that he never thought that the second chapter would last three times as long as the first, because it's been a long time in playing Bert Gummer. But he's a um, he's a right wing nut in 1990, um, and. Uh, he uh, is his. He lives out in the middle of nowhere with his wife and a giant arsenal of guns, and believes that uh, the government is going to come and shut down everything. And uh, and, and he's 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 a he's a prepper with a with a bomb shelter in his basement and all this kind of stuff. He's that guy. And his wife, the loving, doting uh, Heather Reba McIntyre, is there with him, and they decided to live out in this valley. Just you know, he's he's arguing with Walter who has ordered hollow point bullets for him, uh, that they are the wrong type of hollow point bullets. Yes. <laughs> that is how we meet Burt Gummer. Um, and, they have uh, a fun relationship too. Like They do. Um, they do. And, and Reba McIntyre is like this very, she's loving, but she has like some, some kick to her. I think like oh, the, definitely. the, um, like a, what is fun is that, you know, all of these characters, for the most part, with their lives on the line. So you right. get to see what they are kind of at, at a maxed out version of themselves. Like, right. it felt that way for a lot of it. But you also get, like, the valleys of when they aren't being attacked or when they're not in the know yet. So it, it is kind of fun because you see how each character handles in the most escalated situation, which I that I really, really liked about it. And she kind of, she keeps her damn calm most of the time. But I, I right. loved that. Like, she's... um. Yeah. She's very grounded. Oh, she's a tough. Um, she's a tough lady. Um, yeah, I, 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 again, there's little glimpses of stuff where you can immediately know the the um, the relationship between people without getting a whole bunch of exposition. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, I'm an Aaron Sorkin gal, so that's like my yeah. thing. Like I love when yeah. it's assumed that the audience is smart, and you give us windows into relationships without spoon feeding it so much. It's so yeah. much more fun to watch because it comes across as more authentic. I think from an acting side. Yeah. Um. So uh, during this scene, um, we also established that there. Uh, we need to know this that there the the uh, freezer. Where he keeps all the cold stuff in the uh, in the shop, in the shop has a has a bad bearing, um, and so when the condenser condenser kicks in, it makes all kinds of noise and rattles like crazy. And he's like, "Can you guys fix this for me?" And um, it's like, "No, we we got a schedule to keep. We got to go and do the digging uh, for the garbage." And Val, I love, is like, "See, uh, Errol explained this all to me. Um, we keep a schedule, so that we don't we we never have to do anything right now. We always have to we just do everything in the future. It's pretty great." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they 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 do the um, uh, the garbage. It's it's not a fun job. Um, and like, man, we should leave. We should go to Bixby. We should move to Bixby and get the hell out of here and never look back. Uh, and like, uh, this is low. How what could be lower than this? Cut to them emptying a septic tank. <laughs> um, and them arguing. Asking you more, shall receive, my friends. Arguing more and more. About um, how to uh, um, uh, about you know whether or not they would leave. Who wants to leave more than the other one? And then the 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 hose uh, springs a leak and uh, and shoots uh, septic matter all over them as they're doing this. And that is the final straw. Uh, yeah, they they, they shower, yeah. they change, and they load everything they have into the back of their pickup truck. And they are going to they are going to leave Bixby. But on the way out of town, we meet another person uh, who lives in the town. We meet we meet Nancy, single mom, uh, uh, and who is a uh, she's she does a po- she's a pottery artist. Let's ha- let's she's out here. She's doing that. Uh, she's got a little uh, a daughter, ten years old, Mindy, who um, who just likes to pogo stick up and down the street wearing wearing a Walkman. Um, but a simpler time. Yeah, simpler time. Um, so she says, hey, guys, I need somebody to help me build my new pottery kiln. I have a huge order I've got to fill. It's got like a month's work. of a day. I'll pay you daily, and I'll throw in lunches and free beer. And they say no. As they say, Lord Almighty, we faced temptation and we did not bend. Uh, I can't believe we turned down free beer. This is it. We are out of here. We're going, we're, we're going home. We're, we're going to drive to Bixby. Um, so that, so they've left and they're, they're, they're going, they're, they're gone. One uh, thing I except- really loved about the two of them is that like, they were kind of silly and cartoonish in the moments where the monsters were not present. And then right. when the monsters were present, they were very serious where I feel yeah. like if you tilted that on its head and it was reversed, it would be really bad because the monster mm-hmm. would come across as really cheesy, but like right. they have these really fun pockets of silliness, but they're always in moments where it's not for the most part like facing the monster because that would immediately um like suck all the weight out of the the fear of it but it is fun that we get this playfulness it just shows up at the exact appropriate times from the the acting perspective in my opinion i thought it was really really good yeah um it uh so they're driving out and they see a guy up on a high tension uh tower and uh and they're like oh my god i i know that guy uh, it's not just a random worker. That's it. I know it. Edgar Deems. He only wears that one damn jacket. Um, 
So uh, someone's got to go and climb up and, and see if he's okay. And Paper Rocks is just to it. And Kevin Bacon's got to climb up. And I, I love the, the the dialogue they give Kevin Bacon where he's muttering to himself because it's always very funny. Like, I, oh my God, my, I, I, like I got nothing better to do than climb all the way here and up here and drag your hairy ass back down. And then he realizes, oh, Edgar Deems is dead. He's up, he's up there. He's clutching an old Winchester rifle and he's, he's dead. And so the next thing we see is, um, is them having somehow dropped him back down to the ground and, um, and drove him over to the doctor's place. There's a doctor, uh, in town, uh, and his wife, uh, he has a, is a practice in Bixby. Um, and they've decided to move way out here to, to be out in nature or whatever, desert air. And they're building a house on this land, but they know he's out there. So they, and, and they say, no, he didn't die of a heart attack. It was, he died of thirst, dehydration. Like, so, so wait, um, uh, like Does that take three takes, or four takes, days. Like, yeah. 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 Apparently. So he's up there just dying of thirst. Um, and so, uh, they're now they're driving again. They're, they're going to, they're going to all, all, all the way out there. They're going to go again. Uh, they uh, presumably leave the body with the doctor who calls a coroner's van to come and get the body. I'm assuming we never see the body again. Um, but they drive past a couple of um, highway workers who are, um, who are preparing some of the asphalt in this little narrow pass. They drive past them and they're like, man, human. I mean, how, how, why somebody had to have chased him up there talking about Edgar, uh, somebody who's not afraid of a Winchester rifle, uh, what they just wait for him to die. That's crazy. And then hold on, wait a minute. And earlier we saw uh, a guy named, uh, some, some old farmer who's hoeing some rows in his little, in his little garden and there's sheep everywhere. And, uh, he gets sucked down into the earth. And, um, so then we, they come upon the aftermath of that, just parts of sheep scattered everywhere. And a hat in the middle of the garden. And they can't find old Fred, so they walk over. Oh, I don't like this. This is not like this. Um, pick up the hat, decapitated head, face staring up. Um, I'm assuming that was your first major jump scare of, of the of the of the. Yeah, I think that was that was the one. Um, and uh, and that's great. Uh, what the hell is going on? I mean, what the hell is? I, I love Kevin Bacon in this. He's so great. He's really um, great in this. He's um, such a good actor. Un- underrated. So they they they're driving back, um, but they stop at the at the at the highway guys, um, and uh, they're like, "Hey, there's a serial killer out here. Some guy. He's killing. He's killing people. He's chopping people's heads off. I'm not kidding. You got to get out of here." And they drive on, and one of the dudes is like, "Yeah, they're pulling our chain." Like, "Yeah, I, I guess so." But then uh, his little jackhammer little thing ends up, I guess, hitting one of the things underneath, and it and it pulls him and the jackhammer up the side of this hill. The other guy runs after him, and ends up getting crushed by a landslide. Landslide completely closes off that road. There's only one road out of the valley. Now it's impassable. These are one of those things of like, okay, so. I, I always try and think of if I'm going to write a movie like this, I got to I got to reverse engineer all the things like, why don't they just do this? Well, something right. has to stop them from doing that. Um, so there's there's got to be run out of town. Why can't they get out of town? Because there's a landslide that completely closes off this thing. You cannot drive a car through it. Um, I thought, OK, that makes that makes some good sense. I like that they immediately threw 
some good tension and a cool little moment where like the jackhammer is embedded in the thing and it just pulls the jackhammer along the road. That was a cool little effect. But also it it serves the purpose of isolating them further that nobody can get in or out. I thought that was really good. Yeah, and I I can't watch horror movies because I'm a sissy, but like one of my complaints with them, I'm always like, well, if it's a haunted house, leave the fucking house. Like (laughs) this was a really good it was it was well executed from a visual standpoint and from a justification standpoint in this why they can't leave. It does feel like maybe there should be a little bit more urgency about it when the next things unfold, but I guess if there's a giant underground monster on its way, um, you're probably not like taking risks on that right but this was really well done this is good so um they drive back into the store um and the the they drive back to walters and they tell everybody this is where we also meet miguel who's an hispanic guy who's got a ranch outside of town he's there and nestor who is uh the guy that who hired them to do garbage work and he lives in a tiny little trailer so this is the entire cast now they're here and um they, uh, they're like, uh, they're trying to call on the phone, but Walter's phone is dead. Like, Walter, your phone's dead. I didn't do it. I just love that he keeps saying that whenever anything bad happens, that it's not his fault. Um, so, uh, so instead of calling to get somebody to come out here and help them, they have to drive into Bixby. So now they get back in the car. I love that that you got to get to you got to got to get Bixby. You got to get the sheriff, and you, you got to step on it. Consider it stepped on. <laughs> They drive out. Um, but they can't get there because there's a landslide. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? You caused a giant landslide. No, they didn't. There's a, there's dead there's dead body parts everywhere. Let's get the hell out of here. So in turning around, he backs up against the, the, the mountain thing and can't go forward. Like, you're hung up. I'm not hung up. And so he pulls on it, just drops it down into the fifth gear, and <laughs> jumps out of there. He's like, you're going to bust an axle doing that. Man, you bust an axle. We got to stay out here. I don't want to sleep out here. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Um, so they get back into town and um, they're talking to everybody about what's going on. The place is, the road's impassable. And then they see wrapped around the axle, back axle of the tire is some weird giant snake thing that's been ripped in half. Um, it's like the size of an anaconda. And it's, it's wrapped around the thing and they're able to pull it off. It's dead. Very fascinated by it. Uh, uh, Bert immediately thinks that some kind of mutation has happened because of, you know, nuclear waste or whatever. Um, which is very and, turn uh, of the decade ish. Which is very yeah, well done. It's a, a very of its of its time. Uh, the whole thing really stinks. Also, everything oh, it smells, it smells terrible. So bad. Um, but uh, Walter's like, I'll give you boys five dollars for this. <laughs> it's like ah, oh, hey, twenty. Okay, ten. 15. Okay, 15. And <laughs> they, damn right, 15. They were so excited they made $15 so off expensive. of this. Stupid and meanwhile, steak. if they split it, they would just have seven bucks, just like The Rock. That's right. That's right. With a dollar left over to put in the tip jar. Um, I um, so, Take a penny, live a penny. Um, so uh, they're trying to figure out now what to do. Bert and... Um, uh, Bert and Heather say they're going to drive around and try, oh, and try and find that Rhonda girl and see if they can get her back into town because you never know what's going on. Um, but we can't we can't leave the valley, so we got to figure out what we're going to do now. We can't call out the CB doesn't reach 
uh, past the mountains. They're like completely isolated. That's Bert says, that's why we moved here. Complete geographic isolation. You got the cliffs to the north, the mountains to the east and the west. The valley to the south is the only way out of here. Um, and uh, you say, well, we'll just wait here. Maybe he won't come. Maybe, maybe the whatever it is, maybe the snakes won't come here. Um, and uh, it was like this. Listen, here's where Edgar was on the on the map. Edgar, old Fred, all the stuff, you know. So they're they're coming for us. Um, you know, it's nighttime. And now we see the poor doctor and his wife. And honestly, I think this is like the best horror. Yes, like definitely. Scene in the whole movie, it's really, really well done. You immediately get that this uh, doctor and his wife, they probably have like kids who are off living their own life. But they're, they're, they've decided this is where they want to spend their golden years. Out in the middle of the desert in a house they built just for the two of them. They romanticize about getting to look up at the stars every night with, with, with no street lights around to like to, to dampen being able to see the entire Milky Way galaxy. Sweet relationship they have with each other. Oh no, the generator just went out. So uh, he's going to go check on the generator and it's gone. There's a hole with a, with a cord going down into it. And he pulls the, the cord out. Maybe there's a mine that caved in or whatever, and the cord's been chewed through. Um, and then they hear this horrible sound, and the and the generator gets spit back up into the air out of the ground somewhere over there and lands. And she wants to just leave. And he's uh, an idiot. <laughs> he's a doctor who's an idiot who says, maybe it's a geyser. You know, they stink like that. Remember Yellowstone? And then he gets sucked down into, uh, into the ground. Um, and it's harrowing. Because he is begging his wife to help him, and she can't. And uh, she, like, puts a two-by-four across the opening for him to, like, brace himself on. That that gets snapped in two, so the thing's pulling really hard. Uh, And eventually he gets pulled all the way under there. And she's digging for him. And then a little snake comes up and and bites at her. And so she runs and jumps in the back of the station wagon. And the keys are in his pocket. It's a wonderful little detail of like, so why did you just drive out of there? Oh, but he had the keys on him. Of course he had the keys on him. Why wouldn't he have had the keys on him? There's no way you can get the keys now. Now you're stuck in a station wagon that can't go anywhere with the, with the, with the radio on. And, um, and it, they start breaking, they start pulling the whole station wagon into the ground, tilted. like tilted up like it's the Titanic so going down. Yeah, And the, the lights shining up into the sky like this as the whole thing's being pulled down. They The snakes break into the glass. She's screaming. It's horrifying. It's a really, really great, like, Jesus kind of a, a moment, you know? And you get, um, you get like these nice moments too where she is under the false illusion that maybe she's going to be okay. Like the, you see the heads of the snake kind of popping up all over Mm -hmm. the car that she's tucked Mm -hmm. in. But before, before it completely falls in, um, there's just nice little jump scary moments and just like a false sense of security just for a second that goes a long way in, in the tension of the scene, I think. And um, it's just visually great. Like the, in this whole thing, the, the Sandy ground, uh, is a really nice mask for the snakes to pop out of. And um, just like in this scene with the backdrop of the night sky and the old Mm -hmm. car and the lights, like you said, like it's, it 
there's like an innocence in it that's just getting ruined in front of your eyes as this thing goes down and it's super fun. So they cut back to the, to the, to the store where everyone's gathered around trying to figure out what they're going to do. Um, and uh, um, we see that Walter has set up a, a little station, $3 for your photo with the snake monster. And he's like, oh man, we got suckered. <laughs> um, and uh, I thought that was really good. Um, but they just, Miguel has the idea. Miguel has really good ideas in this, in this movie. Miguel's a, I, I, they don't really tell you anything about this dude, but he's this 50 ish kind of overweight, um, Hispanic guy. We don't really find out anything about him, but he's got good ideas. This guy's got a head on his shoulders. What about Walter's saddle horses? Could they make the drive the, the way to Bixby? And Walter's like, you're welcome to take them. So the next morning, uh, it's of course it's Val and Earl. They're the only guys who know how to ride a horse, really. So they uh, they get on the horse and they're going to drive. They're going to go to Bixby, but um, uh, they got one of them's got. There's the old the old Colt old Colt forty five revolver and uh, um, the 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 Walt Edgar's old rifle. And so they 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 play paper rock scissors to who gets the rifle. Val gets the rifle, but then. Heather and Bert show up, and Heather's like, you can't go with just that old 30-30. Here, take one of my Browning autos. And she's like, lists all the like cap- the, the caliber and everything of it. And and Fridge and and, and, uh, and Earl's like, Yeah, sure, I'll take that. Thank you. Um, but they're gonna drive, they're gonna go to they're gonna go out to um to um to Bixby, but they're gonna stop by the doctor's place to make sure he's okay. Um and uh, that's when Bert and Heather say they're going to go out and try and find Rhonda. So they're riding out and they stop by the doctor's place. Nobody's there, but the car is missing. So that must mean they've gone into Bixby. They're okay. And I love the way, because you hear the, the very faint radio and you hear Val, Val goes, then where the hell is the golden oldie coming from? Yeah. And they start digging for it and they find the grill of the, of, of the, this Ford station wagon, put it up under the earth and the light Headlights still shining up, and they're like, "Holy crap! What the hell could have done this?" And um, they're riding as fast as they can through the desert, and they come to a, like a canal, like a concrete canal that spans this whole thing. They got to go around it, um, so they're riding, and um, they're like, "We're not going to stop for anything. We'll we'll, we'll even co- keep going tonight. We're not going to stop at all." But then um, the horses got getting spooked. And they're running around. They won't go anywhere. Um, and uh, then uh, uh, Earl's horse gets taken, uh, gets grabbed by these snake things. They look over at the horse, and it's got things like coiled around it. And um, it's like that—that's where they figured it out. That's how they get you. They're under the goddamn ground, and they start—you um, start shooting them with a with a rifle, and they let them go, but the horse is gone. And then all of a sudden, like the earth just goes—is it a million of them? And then the whole thing comes out for the first time we see it. And that's a, that's a really cool, practical monster. Not CGI, like they built a thing. And, and like, listen, old animatronic monsters, that the, they're practical, where the, the actors can go up and touch it if they want to. Those always feel better to me. And nobody ever does it like that anymore. It's all CGI with green screens and stuff. And I thought, I think this is a marvel of the time period. No, like the design of the creature also with like it's four mandibles that yes. open wide and uh, mm-hmm. just the way it looks is really, really cool. But this is the first time we see the giant creature. 
I really like the 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 it being underground and combined with it being like a four-headed monster in a sense is really fun because it just feels like there's nowhere that you're safe because it's underground so you don't know where it's going to come from even if you face it head on like there's all these other ways that it can get you so like the combination of it being multi-pronged and menacing looking with it being underground and also feeling like even though this is a horror movie like it also feeling natural to the habitat of being underground that's like it looks like a snake and snakes are creatures that are underground right it, it helps with the realism i think if it had been like, oh my god, this bear emerged from under the ground. It, it wouldn't have the same, like, bite to it, in a sense. Um, uh-huh. Yep. So I, I, there was a lot to, to like about it. And I'm, I'm with you. Some of these more, like, old animatronic things are. Mm-hmm. Especially now. Like, it's it's just yeah. fun to see it because well, the standard especially is Especially where, like, like, having now watched all the sequels, oh, nothing, ever, nothing ever looks as good as, and the sequels looks as good as these original things. Like not even close. Like even the the brand new stuff, like it's 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 doesn't it, it just it looks fake. They didn't oh, run it all back looks with fake. this guy? That's so weird. Nope. Nope. They didn't run it back with this guy. Um so uh anyway, um they're running away from this thing that is chasing them. Um and uh and there's this again, this culvert, this 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 concrete canal thing someone's dug for like when the flash flood comes through to divert it away from town or whatever. Um, and they're going to try and jump over it and they can't quite. So they land in it and the thing's coming and chasing them and it smashes into the concrete and busts through it. Um, and, uh, Oh my God, it's dead. You know, I love that. This is a uh, um, stupid son of a bitch knocked itself cold. Cold my ass. That son of a bitch is dead. Um, and he says, he says, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so says, good. says Kevin Bacon. Um, and he's but, like, we're going to get a lot more than $15 for this. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, then he says, uh, but in the dubbed version that I grew up with, he says, fooled you. <laughs> Which Technically, they did. They didn't intend sure. to fool it, but they did fool it. Um, and uh, um, that but, ain't what he said, uh, though. Right. <laughs> um, so uh, then we, Rhonda, actually steps up top of the other side of the culvert, and she's like, "Hey guys, hey, did you see anything weird? Uh, what's that?" And so they're able to like pull the thing, pry open the rest of the concrete. The whole thing falls through, and she's like, "I don't see any eyes. Must be totally subterranean." So again, okay, can't see us. Okay, that's interesting. But then we see up, like um, uh, Val has dug up the entire length of it. It is, I don't know, like four or five feet wide at its widest and a good 30 feet long. It's a big, big uh, sucker. Um, So they figured that this is the one thing. This is the thing. Like it, that's why it, that's why the truck, you know, couldn't got stalled out because this thing is so big. These little things shoot out of its mouth and they pull you in or whatever, right? Uh, but this is the one. There's only one. Why? Why wouldn't? Why would there ever be more than one? This is the one. So let's just talk about how we're going to get it out of here, 
and then we're gonna winch it out, uh, get a, uh, a crane with 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 a, with, a, with lifting straps. We're gonna put it on a flatbed truck. We're gonna take it to Bixby. We're gonna be millionaires. Um, and I love to say, uh, hey, um, did anyone see any, see this? Do you think anyone's ever seen anything like this before? <laughs> she says Earl to to Rhonda, who's the scientist, uh, and Val says, "Well, sure, Earl." We all know about this. We just didn't tell you. No one's ever seen like anything like this before. Um, and uh, but Rhonda immediately goes, "Oh crap!" She realizes there's got to be more of these, and I love the way they do it. Um, she says, "I I got a reading here it was Spike at two p.m. But here at the exact same time, seven miles away, there's another one. And here there's another. Like we'll take your word for it. We don't need to like get the whole picture." We'll take your word I for it. I love you. The, I believe you. Yeah. Uh, because things are rumbling. So they got to run more and more and more. And uh, they run and they climb up onto these boulders. And uh, that's where they find out that these things can't travel through rock. They can only travel through these ver- this very sandy soil on the valley floor. It's a perfect way for them to move through this valley. Uh, a few things that I really appreciated. One... Just nice that the ragtag duo of dudes are the dumb ones and that the gal is the smart one. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. Yeah. I also appreciate that as they're figuring out this monster, it's not invincible. Like, you can kill it with a gun. It has obstacles. It can't go through rock. Right? So it's it's kind of fun because we're figuring it out with them at the same time. Yes. Like it's, it's yes. a really fun thing to be on the same journey that they're on with it. And also for it to be so menacing because it's coming from underground. It's enormous. It can attack you in all these different ways, but it's not completely invincible. It like kind of goes a long way in the, in the like hope aspect of it doesn't take some magical power for them to overcome it. It's like, if they can just figure out what its weaknesses and get rid of them, they they can win this thing at the end of the day. So it's it's a nice balance of supernatural, but still feeling like it's in a real world, as you were kind of saying before. Yeah. Um I yes, I, I totally uh agree. I think that, that that the whole thing works um to the to whatever degree you think it works, I think it works brilliantly. Um it because we are finding out all of this while they are finding out all of yeah. this. Um and um it's it's really well done in that way um but they're they're up on these rocks and they're just gonna i guess they're just gonna wait for him to go away so they wait for a while and then um uh they they try poking it i was like um hey we should probably check and see if he's out there and everyone looks at val so val has to like slide down to the bottom of the of the boulders take a a four by four from this fence is being built and poke at the ground. It's like, I don't know why we always means me every damn time. He's muttering to himself. And then snake comes up, grabs the, the, the two by four. So he's still out there. That's why Edgar died of thirst. Cause these things never leave. They'll just wait for you to die. Um, and that's when they know that. How do you know we went up here? He can't see, he can't smell us. He must be able to hear us. And then Ron is like, of course, it senses vibrations the way that my seismic readings sense vibrations. So does he. Um, so now we got to figure out how we're going to get, I got to get it. How long are we going to wait? So they wait overnight. They try it again, still there. 
um, what the hell are we going to do? So uh, Rhonda has the great idea with these poles from this fence being built nearby that are just laying out by the bottom of the boulders. They're going to pole vault from one set of boulders to the other set of boulders to the other set of boulders all the way to her truck, which is over there by one. Uh, and and it's a fun little um, little little moment where uh, Earl tries the first time, gets about halfway, and goes back down. That was cute. The, the thing about it is, is that um, because of these characters and their relationships to each other, the the comedy always is under the surface. And in case we ever need a laugh to break the tension, it can easily bubble up just where we need it to. Uh, I, I think that 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 the the tension and the comedy of this of this weird little B movie horror is 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 the special sauce that makes it work. Um I think that this is a really fun little deal. And then they they finally jump into the back and pick up and Rhonda's got uh her keys in her teeth and she dives through the back window of the pickup and and puts it into gear uh puts the puts the key and puts it into gear and sh- and pushes on the on the fo- on the pedal with her hand with her legs sticking out the back of the cab, and they just pull off it, but the thing can't follow them, and they're like celebrating in the back. It's like, hey, could somebody please help me? As the thing is speeding off to God knows where. Uh, I thought that was a really uh, fun little moment and showed ingenuity and um, and uh, and a more world building for the characters. I thought that was really great. Yes, this was fun. Um... I immediately thought of the parkour scene from The Office, where parkour, parkour, Um, particularly when Andy goes to jump into, he thinks he's jumping on top of a box refrigerator and it's an empty box. That was with that pole vaulting fallback kind of like triggered. It was just like a funny, a funny little moment. Um, But this is kind of one of those spots where I was like, "Have you considered other weapons?" I mean, I guess they're in the desert, so there's not a lot to. It just feels like handymen would have a host of, of things on right. them, knives and, and whatever. But um, if you're asking me to go along with what they're telling me, this is a, a, a pretty fun way to go about it. Right. Um, the uh, They're able to make it back to town. They, they explained to everybody that these are giant things. They're not little snakes. The snakes are its tongues or whatever. It's They're huge. They're the size of a city bus. Um, and people are like, I... I'm sorry. Like Nancy's like, I'm sorry. I'm having a very hard time with this. Like, she's like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, well, this is also when they're on the rock, they, they try to figure out where they could have come from. Uh, Kevin Bacon's like, no, oh, the government built them as a big surprise for the Russians and they got out of the lab or whatever. And, uh, and then uh, she's talking about the fossil record. Like there's there's nothing like him in the nothing fossil like record. Him so in the fossil record. I love that line. Predate the fossil record, and no one's ever seen one until now. Sure, and I love that Earl's like, well, I I vote for aliens. No way, these are local boys, and like it's just. But they never tell us in the first movie. They tell us immediately in the second movie. Uh, they this in the sequel they kind of all the mystery is gone. Uh, in and the then they movie. made four more after. And then they made Lord, five like more after. Um, it's okay because it, well, we'll we'll talk more about and when we do the bonus episode about how graboids aren't the only things that these th- no that way. yeah I know there's other creatures as well. Um, I did really- love this because it was like the I'm having a hard time with this thing was yeah. so much fun because 
it sounds like they're crazy people, but right. something's clearly going on in the town, right? right so right. it's like this nice balance of you sound insane, but something's up. So I'm trying right. to grasp my head around what's going on. It was a like um, just a, a nicely thrown in thing there. <clears throat> right. I I love that um this next little thing is where Nancy says, Well, I don't know what we're all worried about. I mean, we'll just wait here. Someone's bound to come check on us when they see the roads out and no one's no one's called anybody. Um and Nestor's like, Yeah, that's exactly how it works. That makes that makes sense to me. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and they, and I love that they open that as a possibility and immediately shut it because they cut to the other side of the landslide and they have sent a crew out to check on the first crew that didn't report in. I forgot and about that, that part. This was and, important. And yeah. like, that's, they immediately open, open a, a door for a possible rescue and then shut it. They show you that ain't happening. And I and love And a logical that thing that you beckon for of like. Right. If an entire, if there's one road, people would make sure that road was open especially, and somebody would be trying to drive down Especially it. <laughs> because the first crew never reported back to home base. Exactly. So they would send on another crew and they did and that crew got swallowed. So like that's, that's a really cool way of just letting us know, well, maybe they'll send more crews out, but for now, this is a no-go. No, no one's coming to save you. Uh, I love that that they open that up and then close it immediately. Um, But uh, this is um, where uh, the town becomes besieged. Um, They're uh, they're trying to uh, figure out what to do about this because the things under the ground, under the under the floorboards of this um, uh, of of this uh, store. Everyone's out. People aren't really realizing how serious it is. Uh, the first thing we get is that um, Melvin's out there bouncing his basketball. And the basketball gets sucked under the ground. And then um, they hear him screaming because also, again, uh, uh, he's he keeps on uh, doing the boy who cried wolf, pretending to be attacked by these things. And if I, they think, okay, fine, now I'm going to go kick his ass. Because he's, he's screamed about all this over and over again. They go out there, they find him, like he has climbed up a lamppost or something. And they're like, holy shit. So like everyone run back in, into the thing and can we uh, can we just stay here? And it's like, we can't get through the floors, but it's trying to find a way to get through all the floors or whatever. Um, this is uh, where you start, everyone kind of gets isolated. Um, Mindy and and uh is is out pogo sticking and kevin bacon's like rose runs over to try and like grab her and knocks her off the pogo stick which is then sucked down and i love that little shot of the pogo stick going Foomp. yeah and then it spit out everywhere and so uh val has to run and jump on top of the truck um his truck while mindy and nancy go into their house um and uh uh, Nestor winds up on on top in his little uh, trailer, um, and Melvin is stuck inside some weird little outbuilding, like a shack. Um, and um, Val uh, gets they they start moving the thing around everywhere like this, and um, uh, Ned, Rhonda like runs through some barbed wire and gets tangled up in it, and she can't get away from this thing that's coming after her. So. Uh, Val put, pulls a pickaxe out of his the bed of his of his truck 
and runs over and thunk, sticks a pickaxe in the top of his head, which hurts it, but doesn't kill it. And um, so he's trying to like um, end up like pulling, getting the pants off of her because of they're too entwined in the, hmm, because they're, I mean, practically that's what you would have to do. Um, and uh, they, they, they pull the, the barbed wires all cut and I'm so she's, Basically barefoot and pantsless, running back into the store, um, and that's that's I think that's about halfway through where everything goes crazy. I think felt a yeah. little out of the way to get her pants off. It's well, logically what you would do in the scene, but that scene feels superfluous in a way. Right. <laughs> it just, I mean, all it also allows uh, for the for the the next thing of everyone starting to help each other, um, yes, because. The next thing we see of them in the store is him uh, treating the barbed wire cuts on her leg with like Bactine or whatever, um, apologizing because it stings or whatever. And then uh, they bring over new jeans for her to wear. Like, here, you can have these for free. And here's some some boots for you to put on or whatever. Everyone's kind of like being quiet so they don't piss off the worms, uh, but also like trying to like figure out how we're going to how we're going to ride this out. Um and yes, of course, it's it's a superfluous to have her running in her panties away from the worm. Uh, but but they did it anyway. Classic, just a classic. Um, there there is there is a one in, in Tremors six where the same thing happens, where one person says, uh, "Take your pants off because the thing's pulling pulling on her pant leg or whatever." One hundred percent not happening, says the lady. And he says, "You got to do it. It's got your pants. I can't. I can't keep a hold of you. It's going to pull you down. Take your pants off." He says, "I'm not wearing any underwear." So, like, they like revisit it five sequels later. Weird. Which is why this is why the second lady in a different movie, who's not a character in the first movie, said whatever. Um. It, yes, I, I will not. I will not disagree with you that that particular point is superfluous with the with the. Pants. But it was but, at least like her pants were caught on barbed wire. Like yeah. that is what you would do in the situation, and it wasn't yes. done in like a a disrespectful way. But it just right. did feel like <laughs> right. Really um, way to get her pants off. This is where um the compressor kicks on in the in the thing and that makes all this crazy noise so they all run over to try and turn it off but it's up against the wall and there's a bunch of cases of soda in front of it they have to move all the soda they pull away against the wall so they can unplug it but it's too late because that crazy noise and the rattling has brought the thing the whole thing giant thing up from the floor and oh it takes all poor walter chang with it yeah and uh r.i.p walter chang uh, he gets taken. This is what this is a this is a we have to see him like halfway in into yeah. the thing, right, reaching, trying to get trying to get out before the whole thing takes him. Uh, and then they have to like try and get to the roof. Um, so they go try and climb up into the roof, but Rhonda's stuck on one of the like shelves, and the shelves topple, and she goes out the window. Everyone else goes up to the roof. Um, Val showing some real care for Rhonda. Rhonda, don't stop, keep moving, get up to the roof. Um but she's climbed up to the to the water tower. She's safe. Everyone is up on the up on the roofs. And he's yelling, "Hey, Nancy, Mandy, get up on your roofs, Nestor, get on your roof!" And so they realize now that the things are coming up to the floor. So everyone's up on their roof, um, and uh, this is where I think we're getting um, Bert and Heather get back to their little compound up on the ridge. 
and she looks through some binoculars and sees everybody up on their roof. And this is weird. Why are everybody on their roof? They're, listen, I'm not a gun guy. I don't know what this machine does other than make a lot of noise and attract graboids. <laughs> oh, this is all, oh I, I should mention this. Like Walters like comes up with the name graboids. We're going to call it's these things graboids. Yeah. You're going to be very sorry if you don't give them a name. We discovered them. We should name them. I'm going to call them graboids. And I guess in honor of, because it's a terrible name, but in honor of Walter Chang, who came up with the name, they're going to keep calling them graboids for the entire string of the cinematic universe of Tremors. Um, and, uh, but anyway, they pour like empty shells into like this thing that's got sand in it. And they, it just starts, does it grind the shells? I don't know. What, I don't know what it could, how, I don't know what this machine does, but it makes a crazy amount of a noise. A gunpowder? Is it I don't, liquor? It, it, I don't it was, know. It was sand and like empty shell casings from bullets that were spent. And they throw them in there and turn it on and it just goes. I don't know what it's doing. Is it making ice cream? I don't know what it's doing. That'd be cool if made ice cream. Yeah. So they're. They get on the CB, and they call him, call him Burton the CB, and they're talking to him like those things are huge. They're not little snakes; they're huge. They come through the floor. They're coming to get you. Like you can actually see the dust trails leaving to go and get after Bert. Um, and they're like, they look to the windows, and they're in their basement with the windows. They can't see anything. I don't know what this is. And all of a sudden, boosh! One just comes right through the wall. Now it's handy dandy that Michael Gross and Reba McIntyre happen to have like a full army's arsenal on the wall and but they don't keep them loaded which is really smart because you wouldn't so like they're taking things off the wall grabbing a clip putting it in turn turn around and shooting at it and very few of the bullets do anything to it correct honestly it's only when it opens its mouth that anything actually does anything to it because you actually shooting into its throat that that's not um the, the the outer hide is incredibly tough and resistance to bullets. The like the the, the like the claw, the, like the weird mandible jaw thing. That's like a much harder, like a like a like a turtle shell type thing. Bullets bounce off of that. You have to find a way to like get in in it. So when it opens its mouth to yell at you, that's when you shoot at it. Um, uh, but they're shooting like crazy. Michael Gross gets on, getting almost pulled in. Uh, Rear McIntyre sh- saves him by shooting the little snake thing. Um, and they turn around and they start shooting everything. Nothing's working. I mean, it's hurting it, but they're losing the fight. So then he, t- in case of emergency, break glass. In That's case right. of giant graboid, break glass, pulls out an elephant gun. Was so named because that's what you use it for. To take down that size of elephants. That size of big game. And the bullets he drops out of this box are like this big. And this, this big around. And he loads it up and boom, blows one hole in it. And it starts to go crazy. And then he opens his mouth again. And he blows one right down its gullet. And the thing falls over dead. And this is where Michael Gross says, broke into the wrong Galdern rec room, didn't you, you big jerk? Um, he says, goddamn rec room and bastard. But it's so much better. Galdern is a much better. It's a big much jerk. more evocative phrase than goddamn. And also big, big jerk. Much more accurate than uh, than bastard. That's true. Um, so they killed one. Yay! They killed one. Um, two down, one to go. Very, everyone's very excited. Um, uh, there are two more. Two more left. 
So there's two more uh, creatures left, and they're now testing all, right. all of these. Okay. Uh, they're trying to like lift up the buildings, see if they they can feel the vibrations, but they can't find us. They're lifting up all the buildings. Um, is it Bert? Heather, get up on your roof. Um, figure this out. Hey, Bert, can you kill another one? I don't know if you could try. Um, and they start shooting at the ground. Nothing's happening. You didn't even get penetration even with the elephant gun, says Reba McIntyre. Um, I should point out here, um, I don't believe it's ever stated, but it does feel like, especially with, with Reba's Reba's accent and a, and a much lighter one from Michael Gross, it does, and it does feel like they're transplants from another area of the country. Sure, definitely. Especially yeah. because he is wearing impossibly an Atlanta Hawks baseball cap. The Atlanta Hawks were not a terribly great basketball team in 1990. Like if he was wearing a, an Atlanta Braves baseball cap, that would make sense. Sure. They were perpetually in the playoffs through, through the through the 90s. Um, but Atlanta Hawks doesn't make any sense. And I I I need to know whose idea it was for Burt Gummer to be a rabid Atlanta Hawks fan. It does not make any sense, but it's a wonderful little touch. But I think that probably moved to Nevada from Georgia. That's what I'm going to say. That kind of makes sense for everything. I'm in on that. She kind of sounds like a Georgian. Yeah. Uh, definitely someplace in that kind of general region. That region. Yeah. Um, so uh, they can't shoot through the dirt because bullet dirt is the best bullet stop there is. They're not going to be able to do anything to it. Hey, well, can you get to your truck? Um, no. No, we could before they destroyed the truck. They destroys all the tires they just destroy the tires on um uh um on val and earl's truck nothing can get out of the valley there's a jeep trail up into the mountains but the only two cars in the entire trucks in the valley could even get there were val and earl's truck or bert's truck and now they both have no tires and the timing with either the i can't remember if it's a phone call or the realization yeah. I think it's the realization, like, we got to get in this truck, we got to get over there. Um, it, it was just, it was very well-timed, very well-timed with that, of them realizing they got to get in this truck, and that truck then disappearing was really, really fun. Um, so that this thing is trying to lift up all the places, all the things, like, can't, can't lift, can't lift Nancy's house, can't really lift the store, uh, but it can lift Nestor's trailer, all right. And Nestor gets pushed off his trailer and tries to get higher, but he ends up just like sitting inside a giant truck, monster truck tire. There's a giant hole and he gets just pulled into that and he's, uh, he's gone. And um, this is where I always made the head cannon of that uh, Nestor was like Melvin's uncle who was like entrusted to look after him or something because the way that Melvin re- reacts to Nestor's death, it's it's really it's really it's the one time that I feel anything other than like annoyance at Melvin. Sure, where he's like he just starts just screaming, "You guys got to do something! You guys got to do something!" Like 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 seeing Nestor be killed, like really really fucked up Melvin, and then everyone else on the roof, Val, uh, Earl, Miguel like silent and somber like they just know they know they just watched a child watch his guardian be horribly murdered and they can't do anything about it like it's one of the most pathos generated by this whole thing so 
if it was an actual script that it's like, oh, Melvin's parents are off in Vegas. He just knows Nestor is the weird guy who lives next door. None of that makes as much like like emotional Fair. resonance as if Nestor is actually related to. But so that's what I'm going to keep in my head canon that Nestor was the guy looking after uh, after Melvin. I thought with this, I was so excited because I was like, oh, if this guy's got Melvin, Steph League. <laughs> and then he doesn't. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't. Um, so uh, they realize that the only thing they can get to now up to the mountain is the cat. It's a bulldozer. It's the thing they're using to bury all the garbage. Um, the cat, they, they could, like, well, they get slower than hell, but it's 30 tons. There's no way they could pull 30 tons. They couldn't lift it. They couldn't do anything to it, right? Like, and I love Miguel says, but we can't all fit on the bulldozer. Just the way he says it is like, yeah, no, that was that was a flaw in our 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 thinking. But they come up like, let's pull the old semi trailer behind. Great, there's this old semi trailer. We're gonna pull it, but how do we get there? It's a hell of a long walk. Like it's it's two hundred yards in that direction. There's nowhere they're gonna get there. Um, but this thing's gonna pull all of our buildings out from under us if we don't uh, if we don't do it now. So uh, Miguel has a great idea. Let's start up this old tractor, this old lawnmower thing, whatever. Let's have it, like, set it off in some direction. Let him follow that if he likes the sound so much, says Miguel. Miguel's a smart cookie. Um, he is a smart cookie. And so uh, then Val and Earl do the do the one, two, three prepper oxygen, see who gets to go. Val loses, but then elbows, uh, gives the old Judas effect to, um, to, to, to Earl's uh, solar plexus and runs off after him himself. Um. And it runs after they run after the uh, the, the 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 tractor, um, but the tractor then hits up, goes up a side of a ditch, and then topples over and stops. So they then they go, oh well, now I hear Val running. So they go and they well stop, stop, don't move, and they got to figure out a way to, like distract them more. So then Rhonda climbs halfway down the ladder, kicks out the pipe of the water tower, and water spills everywhere, and that that pitter patter. Gets them and they're like they, smart move. Yep, and they go and they get uh, Val is able to get the 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 bull, the the, um, the bulldozer and hook it up to the semi trailer and pull it. Uh, everyone unseen gets on the thing and they're driving it up to where Bert is. Um, and uh, they Bert and Heather get in there. Bert has been making bombs. He's been making pipe bombs um, because that's what he would do. And uh, and they all get in there, and they're all going to drive off together. And Melvin's like, "I want a gun. Give me a gun. I wouldn't give you a gun if it was World War Three, says says Bert. Um, but they, they've Which won. I felt like was kind of a bad idea because you'd probably want as many people armed against this thing as possible. I guess the idea that he he would he wouldn't know how to use it and might accidentally shoot one of us because he doesn't know you know he doesn't know how to the kick of a gun or whatever. Fair. Uh, um, I, I do believe, cause this is 1990, if this was 2020-ish, everyone in that town would probably own 20 firearms. It's, it's a different time now. And if you live that far out, most of the people who live in that town would be Burt Gummers. Well, um, and even just for like snakes and shit, right? Yeah. Just like a, yeah, a little 22 to, to shoot, shoot a couple of rattlesnakes makes sense. Anyway, they've won. They've won. All they have to do is have the bulldozer pull the semi-trailer full of people up 
the Jeep trail up into the mountains. Once it hits the solid rock, they can't follow. And once we're there, we can go as far as we can on the, on, on, on the, on the bulldozer and walk the rest of the way to Bixby, or at least to a major road where we can be picked up. We'll, we will win. But they're smart. They have dug a trap. So the so the they somehow they realize this and they've dug a trap for the bulldozer to fall into. And now we're all we're all on the ground. So we got to run over to bunch uh, another thing of boulders. We're gonna sit on the boulders, and everyone realizes, oh, we're screwed. But we 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 can't do anything. That's it. Yeah. Um, I like this because this is the first sign of intelligence that we have mm-hmm. from the snakes. Like everything else has kind of just been like, I am menacing, but I will also stop at rocks and can mm-hmm. open my mouth if you have a gun. Um, right. This is the first time that the monster is clever and it comes at kind of the most important point of the movie in, in that way. Like they right. cashed it in at the right time that this guy has some some smarts about it. Right. Um, the... Uh, they get to the rocks and um, <laughs> um, Bert throws one of his pipe bombs at it and they're able to um, to run that's how they're able to get to uh, Brad Boyd while you're lying there hopefully as uncomfortable right. as you possibly can be yeah he does this really long speech it's very he uh, does it's, yeah it's weird um, sitting Indian style. It's not seen in the movie, but it happens. No, it happens. Yeah, it was, it was left on the cutting room floor. Um, so uh, they um, they sit there and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do because we're just we'll wait. And I love that Bert's like, wait a minute, we could have made a stand in our place. We had food, water, ammo. Like we could have figured out a way to like they would have torn your place out from under you in fifteen minutes. Um, and, uh, and so this is where they, they yell at each other, Val and, and, and Bert and, uh, and I love Reba's like, all right, no, it's okay. Calm down, honey. Yeah, I know. I know. He thinks he knows everything, uh, but it's, <laughs> she's just the voice of reason. She's so gentle with him. Um, but, uh, they're, they're still in control obviously- of the situation. Everybody's like at each other's throats a little right. bit because their lives are on the line, but she's like, who left you two fuck ups in charge? <laughs> You know what I mean? These are guys who have like, who've like, like gone through most of their life at the. They've got three dollars to their name. They run a business where they clean when they clean out septic tanks for for pocket change. Yeah. Like, how are you guys in charge of this operation? Bert has a point there. He um, does. Uh, but uh, now Earl starts to have these ideas because he says because oh he hears uh, Michael Gross go if it comes to starvation, I'm gonna light a fuse, walk out there and let him take me down. Boom. It's like, oh, that's a great idea. Well, not not you necessarily, but let's go fishing. So they they put up they tie a bomb to a to a rope and they light it on, light let the fuse, throw it out there, drag it along, it gets taken and then swallowed and explodes. So now they've only got one left. But it's the smart one. It's stumpy. It's the one that originally grabbed their truck and got I love that they have like they have a specific one of the worms. Yes. That is the that is the ringleader, the smart one, the biggest one, the most uh the most dangerous. I like the that captain they, of the graboids. But, but yeah, that's very good. Captain of the graboids is a great great way of explaining it, but they give him an immediate uh, thing that we as the audience and them as the characters can identify 
we can identify that one. And I like that they, they immediately do that. It's a really good way. And it's a natural way of doing it because you have to have the, the scene where they find the snake wrapped around the axle. So they think that's what it is, but also, so that is the thing that's a necessary scene, but also it ripping it off gives the identifying characteristic to the large one for later in the film. Like the fact that you can do both at the same time, a lot of films don't do that. They like yeah. like they'll stick something superfluous here and something over here, but actually tying that together makes it makes it really good. So they try and get him to t- him to take one, and he does, but then he spits it back out at them, and it happens to land on the duffel bag full of all the ammunition and the other bombs. Um, and so they have to hide from the bombs or the explosion. Um, but Val and Earl. And Rhonda run away from the bomb in the wrong direction out into the desert. And um, so they realize that there's one sitting there waiting for him. And there's that he he's, he comes up and he's looking for him. And then he sneaks back down. And Val's like, he ain't gone. He's waiting for us to move. Um, and everyone's over there trying to make noise and it's not working. So he's like, I got me a plan. And he runs toward the cliffs. He's got one bomb left and he runs and they're all following him. Um, and they're both looking for the lighter, which is like the thing, because they yes. each should have a lighter. And Rhonda's like, I've got it. I was like, why would Rhonda follow them? Oh, she has to for the plan to work. Again, a really smart little thing. Um, and so they get there, they snap off the fuse so it's barely long at all. And he lights it and throws it. And, and Earl's like, no, it's, you threw it too far. You threw it behind him. But this is Val's plan the whole time. Because they run as far as fast as they can away from that sound, that explosion. It hurts them because they're so sensitive to noise and vibrations. So he throws it behind the, the, the worm so that it will speed up and go toward him, toward the cliffs that are behind Kevin Bacon. And then uh, Kevin Bacon, at the last second, plays chicken with a worm, jumps out of the way, and the thing goes out the cliff and then pulls a wily e. coyote where it goes out there, hangs for a second, and then falls. And you get to hear uh, the, one of the best lines and the best deliveries in all of B movies. Kevin Bacon go, "Can you fly, you fucker? Can you fly?" What was, was that so overdubbed as? Uh, um, sucker, obviously. <laughs> um, um, so much fun! I my notes literally just say. Kevin Bacon is the yeehaw guy is so fun because he is. Um, the lady's holding it down in the movie. I love yeah. that. It's like, yeah. it's always Val and Reba. Smart, uh-huh. smart. Yeah. Um, but yes, this was, this was fun. And it's fun that like one of these graboids has a personality because they're yeah. mostly static. Um, so for, for there to be like a, it makes it feel like more of a face off when mm-hmm. the other side has intelligence now. Um, yeah. But th- yeah, this was a really, this was a, a fun kind of. I like I like the finish. The you like the, the finish. Yeah, I, I like the I like the you know how much I I I'm a, I, the finish isn't great. I'm gonna I'm gonna downgrade it's the match. Tough. Yeah. And this was a great finish. Like sure. the 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 clever uh, the cleverness of them going out the side of a cliff because that would make sense because they just go under the ground and they can't see in front of them. So all of a sudden, the thing they were traveling through just ends, and they're in air, and they can't fly, and there are sharp, sharp rocks 70 feet below. So that's it for the, for the Graboid. Um, and I like that, that Val had the idea. Um, I thought that was, that was smart. And that's the, res- the resolution is very, 
ham fisted. And well, I guess uh, we're gonna have. I'm gonna go. Uh, well, I guess we're gonna go into Bixby and try and figure out what's going on. And um, uh, I'm gonna go and take some pictures of the thing we of the one we dug up, you know, for posterity's sake. There's gonna be a lot of research. I'm gonna be on it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, bye. And Earl's like, "Come on, go kiss her." And then Val does. That's the end of the movie. Everything's all wrapped up in a nice, neat little package. Listen, we have watched a lot of 80s and early 90s movies that were like, we are getting a sequel. We better leave it open-ended at the end for an obvious sequel. There's no like, oh, there was one other Graboid they didn't know about. Like, there's none of that. This, This movie thought that was it. And then it got six sequels, including a Wild West prequel and a whole damn TV series. This movie thought it was done. And no, apparently it was not. Which is incredible considering how many movies we've seen that thought they were going to have sequels and didn't. This one probably could have had one. Like you could have just had, you could have just seen one little snakehead pop up. Right. And that's all you would have needed to to leave the window open. Because you could even sell that off as a, um, as like a, a suspense move if you didn't, right? Uh, only complaints about this. There was not like a lot of romantic tension, I feel like, between them. And then all of a sudden it's like, but because this is the end of the movie, I gotta go kiss her. Thing I did like was Kevin Bacon talking himself out of it on the way to go do it. Like him being like, what, what the hell like that? Want with a guy like, me? like me? Which is like, she is out of his league. Let's be real. She's got yeah. masters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she's working on all this stuff and he's this handyman or whatever. But it was like, it, it felt very, he's such a good actor, man. Like it, it felt yeah. so sincere and like, he just put a microphone to your inner thoughts when you go to like make a yes. risky romantic move because you're having yeah. all those thoughts before you yep. do stuff like that. Sure. I feel like so yeah. it was it was like precious in the execution, but it didn't feel like there was enough like there was no romantic tension built throughout the film. So this was kind of like a, a an obvious thing that was coming, but in a much more jarring way. Um, but it was his acting kind of saved saved that for me because it was it was pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> It was good. I like this also from Grumpy Kev. Could we oh. say it's not reaching to say it was a cash graboid? I like That's that. Good. That's good. I like um, that. So yes, uh, Brent uh, Brent Maddock, who wrote this, and also S.S. Wilson, who wrote this, wrote Search Circuit, Valerie's Not Included, Tremors, and Wild Wild West. Wow. And Brent apparently was a, cons- was a consultant online before time. What a That is a very, very crazy... That's uh, a wild, wild. Uh, also, S.S. <laughs> Wilson also wrote Ghost Dad, starring Bill Cosby. <laughs> so, like, there, there was a lot that this guy, uh, these people were involved in. Also, um, S.S. Wilton, uh, Wilson uh, wrote, um, uh, like, several of the, of the Tremors sequels and okay. was, like, was the major producer of the TV series. So like these guys have just, I don't know. This is, this is where I'm going to make my money on. This is it. So yeah, they were like, we're just going to juice this until the juice mm-hmm. is gone. That's right. Uh, okay. Well, we'll just ask point blank. Yeah. Which franchise leprechaun franchise or tremors franchise? Well, the grab boys never went to space. So that's, 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 that's a mark against them. I would say so. Um, yeah. uh, I 
listen, I will say on the strength of Michael Gross. Okay. Tremors, Tremors wins. And and it's not particularly close because of how good he is as Burt Gummer in all of the things that he does. Okay. Um, he's he he he's he's gets better and better. The character gets more and more fleshed out. They do a really fun thing where like, well, Reba said no, obviously, to coming back for part two. <laughs> so they have, they have like, a I great have an enormous country music career now. I'm good. I, like, I I'm good. Uh, so they do a great scene where like she left him and took the guns. And he's just, he's, he's, he's just, just the idea of like, she left me, Earl, she left me and she took the guns. And it's like the whole, this, it's the saddest thing. Cause like, cause you know, like, cause he took the kids or she took the dog, but she took the guns. That's the thing that, that destroyed him. Um, may, maybe I'll get her back. She's, she's just staying at her sister's for the last five years. Like, like it's one of those things, but it's honestly, it's, it's, they, they did a really great job, um, with, with, with that, um, yeah, I'm, I'll certainly take the Tremors uh, franchise over the Leprechaun franchise, but but you will hear more about that when we record our bonus episode that we didn't get to do one last week. So bonus episode is me telling uh, Kate about movies she has no interest in uh, for the, more, more than an hour, certainly. Um, yeah, but I will try and condense it all down and focus mainly on the thing I think you would like the most, which is the prequel, which Ooh, is how okay. the whole thing started. Uh, which is set during the Wow Wow West, not the movie Wow Wow West, but the actual Old West times. The turn. Well, they the... did write Wild Wild West, so they they, they did. They were dancing. I'm not gonna, around I'm not, it. I'm not gonna review that though. So, uh, so I will say, it's a good movie. It did feel in the middle. It felt like for a lot of it, it was like we're getting chased by a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt. That is the essence of most monster movies, which I know you don't watch a lot of. Correct. So I get, I get how like, well, this is this what monster movies are? Because this is boring. And most people are like, yeah, that's what monster movies are. Monster movies are awesome. It's just you getting chased by a monster. And I get yeah. like, I, I, I land somewhere in the middle. I like a, I, I, I will like a good monster movie, but I will hate a bad monster movie. And to me, this is a good monster movie. So that's, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Um, I, I do keep it in because of. Oh, if you good. if you set a precedent for a genre, yeah. I feel like you almost ipso facto have to keep it in. Yeah. Um, and I will say, like, there's a lot of things that even though I didn't, it wasn't like my favorite watching experience. There's a lot of really good things to appreciate about it, yeah. um, including that the story is cohesive and justified and makes sense. The yeah. relationships in the movie are all very clear and fleshed out. The acting performances are really strong. Um, there, there's a lot to like here, the the animatronics that we talked about. So even though, right. like, the minutes that I watched weren't my favorite, there's a lot of really great things that this movie accomplishes. And, and I feel yeah. like it would be tone deaf, I say, oh. to get the flick out of here. So I'm keeping right. it in. Yeah. Despite it not being my favorite, I, I, it's yeah. an, I feel like it's kind of an important movie. And there's a lot yeah. to like about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, there have been few that I've kept in as, as hard as I've kept this one in. Um, I'm, it's, this, this might the be burn. one of those things of, yeah, I mean that, well, that one's, yeah, but like, this that might be one of those movie. ones, <laughs> that was a good movie and it's my favorite movie, but like this one, I, like I, I was worried 
Sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that I I've watched that I used to love and the I was Arnold like Arnold Schwarzenegger it, gimmick that we does, watched a few weeks right. ago. Yeah. Does it hold up? And I'm pleased to say it it really does. And it might be one of those things that like I have to go back and watch every couple of years just to get a get my fix of Val and Earl and Bert Gummer. Uh, but thanks everybody. We're we, again we are going to record uh, this bonus episode of all the sequels and the including the prequel and the, and a couple of episodes of the TV series that I will that I will be talking about. We'll record that uh, this weekend and it'll be uh, posted uh, beginning of next week. So uh, until then, uh, we'll decide whatever happens next week. But we're gonna get the flick out of here. Like Bye everybody. <laughs> R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.